Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly. My name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors of the Church of Greer Station and your host. The Weekly is a 20-minute podcast devoted to books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. Uh, now, this episode, I've invited on John Ross Forgery, one of our new guys around here. He's uh, begun the pastoral residency program with us this fall and will be spending at least the, la- uh, the next two years with us, Lord willing, unless he's crazy. I'm looking at him right now, and he is a little bit crazy, so we'll, we'll see if he, he lasts these two years. I invited John Ross on to talk a little bit about his story, about uh, how God saved him, about how the Lord called him into ministry, and about what he hopes uh, to accomplish with his pastoral residency. And we just kind of reflect on uh, the the future and and what we feel like the Lord is leading us to as a church. Uh, So give this episode a listen. I think you'll find it really helpful, really encouraging. And uh, if you haven't met met John Ross yet, I would encourage you to uh, make it a point to meet him one Sunday morning. Uh, So thanks for listening. John Ross, greetings. What's going on, Trevor? How are you? Man, I'm living the dream. Happy to be here. Thanks for hopping on. Um, so this morning, John Ross and I went and lugged a bunch of rocks for Chandler Creek, and we got to we got to bond over rock lugging. Yeah, I felt like a couple of miners. It was it was a good time. Free bojangles out of miners. It. Took me a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got some bojangles. Yeah, took some bojangles to the custodial staff over at Chandler Creek. That was good. Yeah, they seemed real appreciative. Pre, real happy. They didn't have to move rocks. Yeah. I understand why. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So uh, John Ross is um, one of the newest additions to our teams. John Ross. Uh, has hopped on board with us as one of our pastoral residents. And so I thought it'd be helpful to uh, have him on the podcast as one of the new guys to talk about, um, tell his story, talk about how he became a believer, talk about uh, his background actually in LDS or his family's background in in the Mormon church. Um, uh, And then talk about kind of where he feels like the Lord's leading them. So uh, let's start kind of at the very beginning. Where are you from? Um, uh, tell us about when you became a believer, and tell us a little bit about your uh, family background. Yeah, um, so I am originally from Inman, South Carolina, just right down the road. Uh, grew up there all my life until I went to North Greenville University, um, and while I was there, I got in touch with a church, uh, the church at Blue Ridge, actually, and started interning there. Um, had a real passion for uh, learning and being uh, edified and and you know, learning to have become a minister of the gospel, how to serve the church. What did you major in at NGU? Uh, Christian studies. Cool. I, I was a Christian studies major. Um, just graduated this past May of 2019. Go Crusaders! <laughs> um, but yeah, so got plugged in at TCBR, um, and I was actually planning on uh, church planning in Canada. I, I've had that on my heart since I was probably a junior or senior in high school. Um, and through TCBR, I met Bryce here at Greer Station and um, served with him uh, the summer before my senior year with Summer Link and um, really fell in love with uh, his heart and his passion for Canada and, you know, really uh, admired his leadership and got plugged in with him. Um, moved over here to, to the church at Greer Station to ultimately church plant with y'all up in uh halifax Lord willing, yeah and yeah there was also an additional piece of that uh, of your, your <laughs> transition to your station yeah so uh my fiance emily brown student to be emily forgery 
uh, is a is a member at Greer Station, and so it made the transition even sweeter. Got to start going to church with my my fiance. With your boo. Yeah, with with Bay. If she's listening, <laughs> hey, great great to hear you or see you. <laughs> can't even see or, it right now. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah. We understand. We got <laughs> yeah, you. thank you so much. Um, but anyway, uh, my background um, and how I came to Christianity, uh, like Trevor said, I, I actually grew up in a halfway Christian household. Uh, my mom was Southern Baptist, and my dad uh, had came from the LDS church. My grandfather became an LDS minister later in his life, um, kind of out of the needs of his church at the time. Uh, so did my uncle. He became a LDS minister after my grandfather died. So there, there was a pretty heavy LDS minute or um, side to my family. Um, but my mom was very um, passionate about us going to a Southern Baptist church. Uh, and when I was six, I made a profession of faith uh, and was baptized at seven. Um, but growing up, I was uh, I was always told that, you know, the Lord loved me and that he wanted the best for me. Um, but actually growing up and going through middle school and elementary school, a lot of, uh, kind of negative stuff happened. Uh, number one, my parents fought a bunch, uh, mostly due to being unequally yoked. Um, also I, I was actually a tubby kid growing up and I, nice. I got bullied a lot at school. Yeah, oh, wow. no, I was, I, I looked at, man, I was like the kid off the sand lot. I, I was a catcher too. So it really just played the part. Ham, Hamilton. Port yeah. Yeah. Call me ham. Nice. Um, and then uh, a lot of close family members kind of died in quick repetition. And, and uh, to be honest, I, I was really like doubting that God even loved me. Like I never doubted his, his existence, but I'm like, you know, God, where, where are you at? Like I thought you loved me. I thought you wanted the best for me. Um, and for about two years, I actually debated suicide. And um, wow. yeah, and one summer I was at home alone um, and I was like, you know what? I, I, today's the day I'm going to do it. And I had a suicide note all planned out. And, um, I went in my bedroom and that's where we kept the gun safe. And for the first time in, you know, a few years, I felt empowered. I felt con in control, um, felt kind of this sick satisfaction. Like I'm going to get back at, you know, all those people who made fun of me at school, going to get back at, at God for kind of forsaking me. And like, mm. this is going to be, you know, a powerful moment for me. Um, but I looked and I, I saw my grandfather's Bible sitting on my dresser. He had uh, recently passed away. And I was like, you know what, God, like, if you don't want me to do this right now, you better stop me uh, or else you're about to see me face to face, with face, which is a really gutsy thing to say to yeah. Yahweh. Um, but I basically grabbed the Bible and I just threw it down on the bed and sat down and started reading wherever it kind of fell open. Um, I, I really didn't want my mind to be changed. Um, but I started reading and uh, it was... I want to say in the song, yeah, it was in the Psalms, and David had just had an affair with Bathsheba, and his son had died, and his kingdom was being overran, and he's like, God, why, where are you? Like, what, what's happened here? Like, you have forsaken me. I've, I've seeked you from a young age, but now, like, you're, you're nowhere to be found. And in the very next chapter, he's like, Lord, you didn't forsake me. Hmm. I forsook you. Hmm. And like, because of my sin and, and my desire to seek satisfaction in this world, I have fallen into all this decay, but you have never left me. Hmm. And like, it talks about how he ripped his royal robes and, and started weeping. And, and it was like a veil was taken off my eyes and I started weeping on my bed and, and I was so broken. And I was like, God, you know, th this is me. Like, truly, you never forsook me, but like, me trying to find satisfaction in people pleasing and in all this other stuff in my life. Like 
I forsook you. And, and that's when my relationship with God, like, really, um, it got real in one sense. And, and that's, uh, you know, moving from there, God's been super gracious and mm-hmm. been sanctifying me and uh, got my call to ministry the summer before senior year of high school and, okay. and just, you know, seeking Him ever since. What was what, what were some of the crucial factors in you sensing that the Lord was calling you into ministry? Was it was it through family? Was it through the influence of folks at your church? Was it what, what was the what were this what was the events surrounding that? Yeah, um, I uh, throughout high school I, I was really burdened for Canada and and even back into middle school actually. Um, in the fifth grade, uh, I went to Infuge at North Greenville, um, and if you don't know what that is, it's, it's a missional camp for kids, and, and it actually was real funny. The The main topic of the week was the depravity of Canada, and um, at the end of the week, like they do, they're like, how many of y'all feel called to uh, missions in Canada? And as a fifth grader, I was like, oh yeah, I would do that. Oh wow. Uh, you know, and, and so, and, well, for the listener who doesn't know, with Infuge... The M stands for mission, so yeah. it's Mission Fuge. And Fuge is a summer camp that's put on by Lifeway. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's Centrifuge, there's M Fuge, there's, I think there was for a while something called X Fuge. Yeah, there's there's two or three of them. All, yeah, all sorts of different Fuges. Is. So uh, M Fuge is, is kind of an emphasis on mission. So it's like a, a fun summer camp, and they do some local missions, mm-hmm. and then they have some kind of kind of like major push across the week. Yep. Some sort of mission effort somewhere in the world. Um and God has used that to, like, it sounds like what, you, what you're saying is in your story, God has used that to open kids' eyes to the needs all over the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it blew my mind that a country, like, right next to the U.S. America's uh, and, hat. Yeah, exactly. And us being the belt, like, they're so depraved and, like, there's parts of it, you know, almost considered unreached. And, mm. like, it blew my mind. Um, and I like to say, like, God held me to that promise that I made in the fifth grade. And, you know, throughout high school, my heart was just burdened for the people of Canada. Um, and, and I knew the Lord would take me up there or somehow use me um, to help missions in Canada or do missions in Canada. But I didn't really know what that would look like. Um, but, you know, kind of like you alluded to, you know, um, people in my church were often talking about how, you know, I'd make a great preacher. I'm like, oh, no, that's not really for me. Um but I remember I had a youth minister uh, who who um, did this thing called Jerusalem Project, and there was about three or four churches that got together um, and do local missions, and, and he was preaching on being submissive to the Lord's will in your life, and, you know, my heart just broke, um, and I've really felt the push for the Lord to, uh, you know, call me to missions. Um, and, and so I started pursuing that. I went to North Greenville uh, because I had a buddy there at the time, and he was like, man, there's a bunch of Canadians at North Greenville. You should go there. Um, and if you know anything about North Greenville, that's a lie. There's not a Canadian for a 1,000 miles. Um, but I got there, and, and it had been a few months. And I woke up one Monday morning. I was like, God, what, what's going on here? Like, I, I don't really want to be here. Like, this isn't what I really wanted to do, to do with my life. Um there's not even a Canadian here. Like, what are you doing, God? Uh, but what I didn't know was that week started International Mission Week at North Greenville. And what that is is missionaries come from around the world to uh, give testimony and look for interns for the following summer and stuff like that. And I met a guy from Toronto who worked with the North American Mission Board, and he offered me an internship in Toronto for that following summer. And, and the Lord's just been super gracious doing stuff like that throughout my college experience um kind of leading me towards mm. canada mm. and continually just providing opportunities to kind of keep that uh calling or that vision i guess you could say afloat 
yeah, whenever my faith would get weak, God's God's been continuously gracious to like kind of reaffirm me yeah. and and hold me up uh, in my weakness. Yeah, and so for those who don't know, Canada, Canada for one, I mean, when you talk about Canada, it's it's as diverse as the U.S. in mm-hmm. terms of like the different regions represent very different cultural commitments and very different types of people. So, yeah. you know, we probably have this kind of caricature in mind when we think about Canada, but Canada has become really, really diverse. Absolutely. Um, and, and so a place like Toronto is going to be very different than a place like Halifax yeah. or a place like um, Quebec, even. Absolutely. Toronto is actually the most inter- internationally diverse city in the world. Really? Uh, it, it beats New York, beats Delhi, all, all these places. It, it's number one. Um, and immigration is actually keeping Canada alive right now. Wow. Their death rate is above their birth rate for natural-born Canadians wow. um, due to, you know, pushes for, like, individualism, you know, people not really getting married and wanting to settle down yeah, and, 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 you know, a rise in homosexuality. And one of the points I was going to make is Canada is... Um, Europe and Canada, and maybe Canada even more so, are uh, sort of exemplary in in what we mean when we talk about a post-Christian society. Mm, absolutely, um, a society that's you know a, a metaphor that I've heard used is uh, like the the changing of of uh, the year, so spring, summer, autumn, and winter. Uh, you could say that a, a, a society, culture, country's relationship to the gospel kind of fits in one of those stages. So it's either um, the spring where the gospel is taking root, sprouting. You know, you're seeing like clear evidence of God's grace. So like you talk about the 1040 window, for instance, Southeast Asia and parts of Africa would very much be like springtime. Right now we're seeing a blossoming of gospel influence. Then you have countries that would be summertime where it's beginning to kind of hit a lull. Uh, Then you have autumn where things are beginning to die. And I think folks have identified uh, the United States, regions of the United States as being kind of a kind of a fall, kind of an autumn. And then there's winter where it's like totally cold mm-hmm. and dead Absolutely. Uh, to the uh, to the gospel. And a place like Canada, and again, kind of acknowledging all, the, all of the diversity um, that's there when we talk about Canada, a place like Canada would kind of be exhibit A when we talk about a place that is post-Christian, a, a place that is winter, where it is it is very much kind of cold. Absolutely. Uh, but the encouraging thing for us and the kind of thing that we always uh, have in mind is like winter is not a permanent state, mm, right? Amen. Like what follows on the heels of winter and it's, it's spring. And so the, the next place for us to go in terms of bringing the gospel to Canada and, and bringing the gospel to bear in these post-Christian societies, the next thing to happen is spring. Absolutely. It's, it's for the gospel to take root and to begin to blossom again. And so that's what we, when we think about church planting in Canada, even as we think about being the church in the United States, um, and as we kind of look at some of the cultural changes, we do we do so like with with uh, grieving hearts, you know, to see sort of the direction that things are going. But at the same time, we do it expectantly because we know after fall comes winter, and after winter comes spring. And so, as we think about Canada, I mean, we think about it expectantly with hope of what God could do there. Sorry to. to get off and preach for a second no that was that was good 10 out of 10 thanks man <laughs> um so it, from from an early age you feel like the lord is calling you to canada even even in spite of some really thick struggles um, after god kind of graciously rooted you in um your identity as one of his children you feel like god just kind of continually reaffirmed again and again canada yeah because of um what God had kind of been doing in us and our church and leading us to think long-term about Canada. 
um, and also the fact that your your bay uh, is at Greer Station. You decided to hop on board with us and mm-hmm. spend the season with us in preparation for Lord willing going to Canada in a few years. Amen. Yeah. So the uh, pastoral residency program. Tell us a little bit about that. Like kind of what um, what you're excited about with the residency program. What uh, you're looking forward to when it comes to kind of diving into this thing. Um, and uh, even maybe unpacking for a listener a little bit about what that's going to look like. Sure. Yeah. No. Um. I, I'm. I'm extremely excited. Uh. So right now, I. I'm currently working four days a week, but on Thursday mornings, um, I'm meeting with the cohort, which is just the other residents and maybe a couple other of the interns and Trevor, and we're working through different topics. Right now, we're currently doing a book study in First uh, Timothy and looking at what it looks like to be a minister and a, a young man pursuing the Lord. Um, who knows where we'll go from there? You know, the the world is our oyster kind of a deal. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> We're going to go to Second Timothy. Oh, great. <laughs> and then Titus. Well, it's like you just ruined Christmas morning for me, Trevor. Appreciate <laughs> it. Um, but, but yeah, um, and then Fridays uh, will be my kind of office day. And, and for me personally, what that'll look like is um, outreach into the city of Greer, um, it'll be uh, building relationships with Soup Kitchen, with the STEP program, um, and trying to organize ways that uh, members of TCGS can plug themselves into Greer and serve the community as well as further the kingdom um, of the Lord. Um, so, so that's kind of what my role is currently looking like. Uh, like I said, the world is my oyster, so yeah, who so knows where it'll go. <laughs> one of the things, I mean, it, if you're listening to this, you probably know, but one of the things about our residents is they are just straight utility players. Mm. So they're guys who are just really willing to, if they need to play center, they'll play center for a little while. If they need to be forward, they'll play forward for a little while. If they need to, um, you know, you know, whatever the, the I'm running short on the metaphor here, but <laughs> the point remains to kind of utility <laughs> players for us. They, they wear a lot of hats and they sort of fill whatever needs that we have. And, um, and so John Ross has graciously, graciously volunteered to say like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to help and serve in any capacity. Yeah. Um, and for us, you know, it's obvious that, you know, we benefit from having residents around who are willing to work in a bunch of different ways. But we also love the opportunity to get to invest in guys and to get to talk about sort of what God has taught us about being ministers and being fathers and husbands and getting to turn around and coach these guys up along the way too. Um, so we're excited about having you around. We're excited about the opportunities that um, having guys like you and, and Jonathan Franklin and Bryce Harrison sort of afford our church. Um, we're looking forward to getting to know you guys more and uh, looking forward to see what the Lord does ultimately through through you and, and through our pastoral residency program and through the church at your station. Yeah, Long I'm term. super ex- super excited, man. I, I'm excited to see where God, God leads us through this. Yeah, awesome. Well, dude, thanks for your time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, and thanks for listening. We will talk to you next week. See ya. I never know how to end these things. <laughs> The ending's the worst part, man, in every situation.